Support for Kansas City Today comes from Grandma's Office Catering, delivering made-from-scratch hot meals and individual boxed lunches for fast distribution to offices, warehouses, and factories, even on nights and weekends. Details are at grandmascatering.com. This is Kansas City Today. I'm Nomi Nujia-Dean. Today is Thursday, November 2nd. Coming up, how a recent court decision could impact abortion rights in Kansas. But first, some headlines. The former Kansas City police detective who was convicted in the killing of a black man has appealed his case to the Missouri Supreme Court. KCUR's Peggy Lowe reports. Eric DeValconeer wants the state's highest court to rehear his conviction in the fatal shooting of 26-year-old Cameron Lamb. DeValconeer was convicted in Jackson County Court in 2021 and sentenced to six years. Last month, the Missouri Court of Appeals upheld the conviction. He's now in a state prison. DeValconeer says he deserves a new hearing because the appeals court ignored four previous decisions by the U.S. Supreme Court that say a traffic violation gives a police officer probable cause to stop someone. DeValconeer says the court's rulings threaten the safety of Missouri's police officers. Shawnee City Council members held a hastily scheduled special meeting yesterday to discuss a salacious video of their city manager that's been circulating around City Hall. KCUR's Frank Morris reports the council held a closed executive session but didn't take any action. The Shawnee City Council hired Doug Gerber earlier this year. His hiring was contentious. It followed a rash of resignations from other City Hall employees. According to the Kansas City Star late last month, someone emailed city employees a video of Gerber masturbating. But council members weren't alerted to the issue until media organizations started filing open records requests for the email. Two members of the council stand for re-election Tuesday. A third, Mike Kemling, is running for mayor. Johnson County is seeing robust early voting turnout ahead of next Tuesday's election, which features several contests for mayor, city council, school board, and more. KCUR's George Russell reports. There are more than 100 contests for local office across Johnson County, making for 712 potential versions of the fall ballot, depending where you live. Election Commissioner Fred Sherman says that more than 6,000 ballots have been cast since early voting began on Saturday. In these off or odd number of years for the local elections, those numbers are very, very compatible with what we saw two years ago when we had the same general election cycle. Wyandotte County has seen more moderate turnout, while only 100 people have voted early in person in Kansas City, Missouri. We'll be back after this. On Monday, a Kansas judge ruled against longstanding and recent abortion restrictions in the state, blocking much of the Women's Right to Know Act. Rachel Mepro is a reporter for the Kansas Reflector. She told KCUR's Steve Kraske why this is just the first ruling in what will likely be a series of cases on abortion rights in Kansas. Here's part of their conversation. Now, this is just one court ruling and, you know, one judge's opinion and what will undoubtedly be just the beginning of a series of court cases on this matter. But this strikes me as just a huge victory for abortion rights supporters. Am I seeing that correctly? 
you know, it's hard to tell the impact right now. I mean, what I would say is that both sides of this debate have been like really revitalized by this whole discussion. I mean, I would say that, yes, we are seeing some significant wins just on this, just take on by the Women's Right to Know Act. But we'll have to see in the future the repercussions of this. I mean, the ruling potentially unravels years of anti-abortion legislative efforts from the pro-life side of the ledger. Again, that strikes me as at least potentially enormously significant here. Oh, you're right. I mean, I've heard one person compare it to like a David and Goliath situation, right? Because this legislation has been in place, I mean, parts of it since 1997. So what they're facing is years of restrictions on abortion. How are both sides reacting to this ruling? What are you hearing from the anti-abortion side? We're hearing the usual thing from that crowd. I mean, mostly, again, a renewed attempt to fight this. One interesting aspect as well is that if you look at legislative leadership on the Republican side, they said that this year they're going to renew their efforts to bring back um, anti-abortion legislation. I think Senate President Ty Masterson said something like, now is um, the time to be unflinching in our defense of the safety of women and unborn babies, and pretty much pledged to, again, really push for more anti-abortion legislation in the coming months. How about the abortion rights side? What are they saying? Abortion rights advocates are hailing this as a major win because, again, this is the first foot in the door, I think, to unraveling this years and decades worth of kind of misinformation. If you look at some of the pieces in this legislation, it gives you information saying that abortions could increase the risk of breast cancer and premature birth. That's one of the things that got struck down recently. So essentially, again, this is the first attempt to take on years of misinformation about this industry. I think you just addressed this, but as I mentioned, uh, Judge Day Ram ruled that the Women's Right to Know Act that he was uh, rendering his opinion on is based upon disproven and unsupportable claims. Tell our listeners a little more about what the judge was talking about when he when he mentioned disproven and unsupportable claims here. This will take more time than we have right now, but I'll start with a couple of the requirements that he blocked. So before the temporary injunction, you were required to listen to a mandatory ultrasound, and the physician also had to listen to the fetus's heartbeat and offer a patient a chance to do that. So essentially, you go in, um, the physician listens to the fetus's heartbeat and then offers you the chance to listen to that heartbeat. And then also you have to tell patients that it is possible to revert or it might be possible to reverse a Medicaid abortion, which is something that's really not based in any scientific measures whatsoever. And it also carries a significant health risk. Um, women using that have been known to bleed out or hemorrhage. So a lot of different things he was referring to. It wasn't just one, but it was several things. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, I know. I could go on and on here. But yeah, there's about five major ones. But the ones we really need to focus on is this abortion reversal thing and then a 24-hour waiting period, both of which have kind of been struck down in this temporary injunction. Rachel, can you tell us a little bit about the history of this particular act, the Women's Right to Know Act that the judge ruled on? Um, I've heard it referred to as a patchwork kind of Frankenstein of an act here because, again, we've seen some in place for years and then some, like this abortion reversal measure, have been just added in last legislative session. So we're seeing old and new restrictions tied up in there. And advocates of abortion have said, again, this is a very medically inaccurate act. And as we've seen in the past legislative session, we've seen more and more legislation being added to that. I do actually think in this upcoming legislative session, we will see more attempts to add more anti-abortion legislation to this act as well. 
But clearly the judge's ruling is in response to what voters uh, passed judgment on when they rejected that abortion constitutional state amendment a year ago. Right, exactly. What we've seen is consistently Kansans defeating measures to do away with abortion restrictions. But usually our government isn't really in line with this. I mean, in the last legislative session, which I do keep harping on, but we've seen such a slurry of anti-abortion measures come out of that session. What are the restrictions, again, that the judge has specifically blocked here, Rachel? So one of the blockages is a mandate that anti-abortion information be given to patients in printed form in a specific type, a specific font size, and a specific color at least 24 hours in advance of an abortion which I think is going to be the most important to out-of-state travelers. Hmm. I've talked to abortion providers who've said they had to turn away people because they come in with forms that have the wrong color or the wrong font size. Wow. What else was was blocked? So we also saw this whole requirement that providers post misinformation or just claims in general, I think, was the main thing that they were fighting against. But you had to post information inside of your clinics that said abortions could increase your risk of breast cancer or premature birth, which the judge said this was a scare tactic because it's not really based in science. Who brought this lawsuit? It was a Center for Reproductive Rights along with Planned Parenthood, and it was on behalf of Kansas abortion providers. Can you give examples of how these restrictions affected both people seeking abortions and then the clinics themselves, Rachel? I'm really glad you asked that. Yeah. I'm just going to start off with, again, um, we all know about the federal overturning of reproductive rights, right? Roe v. Wade got overturned. And since it's been overturned, Kansas has become one of the few places left in this area that protects abortion rights. So we've seen just a skyrocketing amount of other out-of-state travelers coming into the state for their abortions, right? So we almost had like a doubling in out-of-state abortions. I mean, in-state abortions, according to last year data, kind of stayed the same for Kansans wanting to get abortion. But if you look at the results from out-of-state travelers, we had more than 8,000 abortions performed on people outside of Kansas. And the year before that, we only had about 4,000. So again, this is a doubling in the abortion rate. And Kansas abortion clinics have just been overwhelmed by the amount of people. And as a result of that, they've had to turn many people away because of the Right to Know Act. One clinic estimated, I think, about three to 10 people turned away per month because of these restrictions. This is the first case against abortion rights since Kansans overwhelmingly voted to protect the right to choose in August of 22. Can you tell us a little bit about that and and how significant that moment was for the state? I mean, we, everyone I know always is saying this was such a landmark moment, and it was. It was genuinely a landmark moment that really set the stage for positioning Kansas of all states as like a, a sanctuary for people who want these rights and haven't been able to get them in other areas. Like over and over again, we've seen Kansans defend this right. We saw the 2019 Supreme Court rule that it was in the state constitution to allow this. So as other states continue to like dwindle and dwindle in the amount of abortion protections, we've stood strong. So what's next for this case, Rachel? What's wh- Where do we go from here? It's hard to tell legally. I mean, I think just the fact that there's such strong language in this temporary injunction means that we probably are likely to see more legal action in the future. Um, From the state law side, I actually do think that as a result of this temporary injunction, we will be seeing a renewed fight for more anti-abortion legislation in the legislature. So what I'm going to be on the lookout for is more anti-abortion laws coming our way. So two things here. There's little doubt that Judge Dayram's uh, ruling is going to be appealed, right? There's probably no doubt about that. 
Exactly, yep. Yeah. And how likely is it that this legislature, this fairly conservative Kansas legislature, will pass more anti-abortion restrictions going forward? I think it's probably pretty likely, just based on the wording. Like, the minute we saw this temporary injunction, we all got an email saying, you know, we are going to renew our fight against abortion in this state. So I feel like that's pretty clear language that we're going to be seeing that in the coming months. But Governor Kelly almost certainly would veto most of those kinds of attempts. Is this legislature likely to override her or is that vote still very, very close? Oh, that is a great question. I mean, that vote has always been very close. But with the abortion reversal law that we saw as part of this lawsuit, that was um, originally overridden in a veto, right? So Governor Kelly did veto that one, but it still became law because they managed to muster up the votes to pass it. I think no matter what we see, it's going to be a very close vote and a very close veto override. That was KCUR's Steve Kraske and Rachel Mepro of the Kansas Reflector. You can hear their entire conversation from up to date at kcur.org. This is Kansas City Today. I'm Nomi Nujia-Dean. This podcast is produced by Byron Love, Anna Schmidt, and KCUR Studios. It's edited by Lisa Rodriguez and Gabe Rosenberg. For more local news from Kansas City's NPR station, visit kcur.org. Thanks for listening, and I'll see you tomorrow.